0: Well, hello there, beautiful people. It's a bit, a little bit late. It's seven o'clock at night uh, today, Wednesday, the 5th of July, um, the day before my beautiful daughter turns 17 tomorrow on the 6th. And we have had a huge day. Indy likes to do lots of things. Um, she's a thing doer. And all I've said is I've been out of the house since eight o'clock this morning and got home at five o'clock. I need to lay down. So that's exactly what I've been doing. I had a little tiny micro nap um, and thought I'll do the podcast on Friday. But now I'm energized again because now I have to get organized for presents and doing all the things tonight. So I am here with a whole buttload of excitement, which has pretty much been my week anyway, because July is so fucking awesome. Like it is just like probably my favorite month of the year. And there's a myriad of reasons for that. Um, It just feels like this priestess portal of divine magic, (laughs) you know, on many, many different levels. Um you know, there's many, many reasons that, that that is occurring from Egyptian connections to Mayan connections. And, you know, this beautiful fixed star Sirius that the sun meets um, at 14 degrees of Cancer every July. So there's just something, you know, super magical in the air. And we are, we have just moved into the Deacon 2 of Cancer season, which happens to be the Magician card. And all I've written like in my, like in workbooks that I've done, or I've shared in my private groups, um, is how magical this month is. So also just as a hot tip for you, um whatever sign your moon is in often you will probably feel really illuminated when this when it is the season of the sun so of of the same sign as your moon so if you are an aries moon you know maybe you feel really great in aries season i'm a cancer moon and i just absolutely love cancer season um and you know not just cancer season, but July, July specifically, because there's also some, you know, incredible liquid crystal activations, which I'll probably bang on about every week um, until they actually come. And then I will sort of share all of them and give you some hot tips. I'll probably make that um, podcast you know mostly about those 5 liquid crystal days because I'm actually going to be in Melbourne um so I want to really prep you for those often I do sort of lives you know every day on Instagram or Facebook and things like that but I'm actually going to be in Melbourne for those 5 days so with my family so I won't actually be doing too much you know if I get a chance I might pop a little post up or a little story or something but I'm going to prep you all and I just want to keep prepping you because I want you to fucking drink this magic in so when I real so when I you know look at each of the deacons, because I'm doing the deacon walk, I'm like, ah, oh, magician card, you know, three of cups. Cool. This is a really joyful card, um, an abundant card, pleasure, have fun, celebrate. And, you know, very, again, very feminine card, you know, so very connected to the feminine. Um, and then the magician is the major arcana card for this deacon too, which also happens to fall in the the same degrees as this fixed star of Sirius which again I find quite impeccable (laughs) so um I I love this because this is a really you know so Sirius is a fixed star and the sun will actually meet Sirius on the 7th this year as the sun rises though right so ultimately ultimately on the 6th when the sun gets to 14 degrees of Cancer which often happens on the 6th, but that can shift. Um, It's actually not until, what have I got here, 5 p.m. on the 6th. So ultimately, you know, even for my daughter, so your solar return, actually your birthday, sometimes doesn't happen on the day that you were born, like the, the date, because it's actually when the sun returns to the degree of your birthday. So, you know, even for Indy, her actual day of birth won't be until the 7th. Um, but the but the fixed star of Sirius is at 14 degrees. So it's when the sun reaches that 14 degree mark, um, which is still the sixth, but it's just in the evening of the sixth. So actually on the seventh of the seventh, and of course, we are in a 2023 collective, which is a collective seven. You know, we do have this big sort of, you know, seven is spiritual change. So just think about all of the stuff that I've been banging on about this seven year, you know, spiritual discernment, um, questioning. You know, spiritual discipline, you know, asking yourself all of the things about who you are, where you're heading and and trust me, so many people that I'm seeing, clients, friends, family, like people that I know everywhere, they're fucking questioning everything, questioning their lives, their jobs, their future I mean, some people aren't, they're still regurgitating and looping the same old stories, the past, you know, still swimming in what they did in their twenties. And look, that's cool if that's how they want to live. But a lot of people are really questioning a lot of stuff. And that seven energy is really that Mack truck year. It's the, the year of getting into spiritual alignment, you know, that, 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 like I've said, are you in alignment or a lie? And the seven will expose you. This is what's happening with Saturn in Pisces and Neptune in Pisces. And, you know, there's a lot of spiritual exposure coming off. And I even know from the Chinese perspective as well, there's a lot of sort of this stuff as well, like who you've been holding on pedestals, leaders are falling. I mean, I've had experiences myself with people that I've trusted who have you know, showed me who they are. And when someone shows you who they are, trust them, they're telling you the truth. So it it is about spiritual exposure. Let's be honest. I mean, I think that this, this collective seven year is really, especially because we haven't had one for so long in the collective cycle. And now here we have this sort of seven, seven, seven energy again, just think of that seven energy on, Friggin' steroids right so friday day of venus you know set this this triple seven energy and at 7 a.m i mean just before 7 a.m but let's just say 7 a.m because it sounds manifestingly wonderful doesn't it darlings um no but seriously it is it is around sunrise so it'll be around 6 30 oh, whatever time the sun's rising at the moment six what is it like six fifteen or 6 30 or something 6 20 um that the sun will be with the ascendant and be with Sirius, and so I really encourage you to do a little bit of sun gazing or to be open to the spiritual sun because Sirius is the spiritual sun. So it is one of the well, it is the brightest star, and ultimately the sun for us is our brightest star. <laughs> I mean, it is a star. You know, it is a huge motherfucking star, burning star of fire. Um, so. Sirius becomes this spiritual sun at 14 degrees of Cancer. So you can check where 14 degrees of Cancer is. Um, and, you know, because Sir- like in your own chart, what house is that in? Do you have anything very close to it? Fixed stars require, you know, planets to be very close, um, nearly exact. Obviously, if you've got something, if you're born on the 6th or 7th or 5th of um of July. Happy birthday. Um, and you are born with the Sun conjunct Sirius. Um, you're you're born in that portal. I wouldn't go more than two degrees either side. Absolutely not. I mean fixed stars need very, very tight orbs. If we gave everything a 10 degree orb or a five degree or a six degree or a seven degree, everything would be touching everything all the time and it loses its its potency. The closer something is, the more potent it is. So you know I could go, oh, my my midheaven is eight degrees. So, oh, yeah, if I just sort of push that out, then Sirius is conjunct my midheaven. I'm like, no, it's not. Sirius has moved past my midheaven. Um, so, you know, and that's okay. Like we all don't have to have things exactly on things exactly on things, you know, like it it doesn't – we all have our own beautiful blueprints – and they're not all going to be like, oh, you've got Lilith conjunct this. Oh, you've got Algol and Medusa exactly conjunct your son. Like it's not going to be like that. And we don't need to make it like that. What we need to do is activate, embody and initiate our own charts, our own divine Frequency, but when it comes to this beautiful time, this beautiful month of the year, when the sun does meet up with Sirius at fourteen degrees, you know, Sirius represents power. You know, if you you know you meet people born fifth, sixth, and seventh, and they've got a lot of power. I mean, the Dalai Lama, for example, he is born on the sixth, um, which is the same day as my daughter, and it's really interesting because I was obviously birthing in the Sirius portal. Of course, you wouldn't expect anything less from me, Um, but. Ultimately, I actually asked if I could be induced on this day because I go like two weeks plus over, over, over. Like my babies, none of my three girls have come by themselves. I reckon that would still all be in me if I wasn't induced. I was completely fine to be induced. It was an amazing experience, my births. Um, Indy's Indy's birth, which is my daughter tomorrow, was very very special i must say i mean they all are there's not one that's better than the other um it's not about being better it's just about what actually happens um and it was extremely spiritual she has neptune in her first house neptune in her first house and neptune in the first house does it can talk about a very spiritual birth um yes, just chanting divine. It was glorious. And I actually wanted to be induced on the sixth because I was like, I want my daughter to be born on the Dalai Lama's birthday. I mean, I am a Buddhist. Um, You know, I, that was what I've been practicing pretty much since my, in my twenties. And so I was like, I am going to be asked if I can be induced on the sixth. And like, sorry, we only do inductions on, what was it? Like this the day but it was the day before because of the day. And I'm like, oh, okay, then. But I went right through until 7-7 7-17 p.m. on the sixth because again, it doesn't matter if I'm on juiced or not, my babies just do not want to come out of me. <laughs> so um ultimately, um, yeah, I labored for a long time, not really getting anywhere. Um, and then they broke my waters and she came and it was just magical, and it was just so beautiful. And I cried for two weeks, you know, every, every time anyone asked me about her birth, I just cried because it was just so amazing. And of course, you know, I had my first baby when I was only 17. It was, you know, much more clinical. I wasn't the person I am today. Um, You know, so it was just different and it was hard, you know, birthing a child at 17 pretty much by yourself is hard. <laughs> Let me give you the hot tip. I can't actually, when I actually look back and think, oh my fucking God, I did that. That was me. This person that I am today, I birthed a child at 17. I became a, a mother at 16 when I fell pregnant, you know? Um, so having more control, Indy's birth was a Laboya birth, you know, um, because I was induced, I wasn't able to have a water birth, which I'm so glad because I need to hold on to shit, man. I don't think I could be in the water and it'd be slippery and slidey and I'd be falling around. I need to hold things and be on my hands and my knees and primal, like that's how it felt for me. So I'm actually really glad that it was the perfect birth for her because it's got nothing to do with me, um, what I want when I'm birthing my babies. It's actually the birth that they want. And to be able to surrender to that was, you know, was really divine. So anyway, it was just so magical. And here I am birthing in the Sirius portal, of course. and, And she was actually born on the 6th and she has an exact grand trine in her chart, which is her sun, her moon and Uranus are all at 14 degrees of water signs. Like this is pretty fucking magical. <laughs> Let me give you like, it is, a, that's a really magical grand trine, um, you know, to have both luminaries, which means that, that, you know, when your luminaries are in a harmonious aspect to one another, it really shows the connection of the mother and father. Um, and that was very true. You know, it was mine and Joel's first baby together. So it was just, yeah, we sung together, we chanted together, we moved together and, it was, yeah, it was just next level. Like it was a next level birth, you know? Yeah. It was just, it was super, super, super bloody special. So anyway, Sirius, Sirius is, and what I was actually, where I was going with that was the power. So she's only a child at the moment, but Indy is so fucking powerful. Like she doesn't yet know how to contain or control the power. And that's okay. Cause she's only 17 tomorrow, you know? And 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 this is the thing we look, you know, this is a very influential fixed star, you know, most of them are, let's just be honest. Like fixed stars are very influential. They're very strong. Um, they have strong power. They have strong leadership. They have strong initiation. They have strong, strong spiritual activation. So if you do have, especially like your sun and moon or an inner planet or just any planet exactly conjunct a fixed star, I mean, that's a bit of a big deal. Let me let me just say it is a bit of a big deal. Um so what I love is that, A, you can see where 14 degrees of, um, of cancer is. And, again, it might not touch anything, and that's okay. It's still in a house, and that is where this serious power gets exuded for you. Excuse me. I just need a little bit of a drinky poo. Mmm. I had two bloody coffees today. It's like Wednesdays are my two coffee days. um. So you can see then where your power is. So this is serious is wealth and fame and influence and, you know, it's galactical magic, you know. And like I said, he is the spiritual sun. So we've got our sun here, but it's he's like the spiritual gateway sun. He is luring us into his own magic to activate and, consecrate our own devotion and spiritual practice to ourselves. I mean, the word is magic. I mean, that's the only word I've used for this month is it is a magical month. And if we can harness our own spiritual strength and power, and this is where the power comes from. So seeing a child who is so powerful beyond her measure, I mean, beyond her control at this point, and that's okay because she will learn to harness that. It's quite remarkable. And and, and you know, and, and again, if you have your birthday on the 6th, you know, feel free to message me or on the 5th or the 7th, you know, you might feel the same, but there's just this inner power. And maybe as a child, you were very powerful and um, you didn't know how to contain it. So you were reckless or you were controlling or, you know, how did that play out for you? It, it is when when there's too much power. We all know that, you know, in the hands of the wrong person, too much power can be fully detrimental, yeah, and fully selfish, you know, it can be extremely self-absorbed, yeah. So the tip is, and what I'm sort of weaving together here is, is that, and of course, I wanted to drop my little beautiful, beautiful bit of my birth story in, of course, I try and do that each time I am recording near one of my daughter's birthdays, because for me, it is... You know, in honor to them, and it is an honor to the way that they chose to be born. And it wasn't about my birth and what I wanted, it was about surrendering and allowing them to birth themselves into the world with my help. <laughs> you know, like I am the vessel, I am the vessel and the creator and the growth vessel of that. And yes, it, you know, birthing on that serious portal obviously, as you can imagine, was powerful and it was very spiritual. That's the thing, you know, I tried to recreate that for my third daughter because, you know, you have such an amazing experience. I'm like, okay, La Boya birth, you know, lights down, like no one wants to touch my children. You know, I didn't have, I had like one midwife in there because I was in the hospital and it was just, that was so amazing. And, you know, lights down, you know, all the things, they did everything I asked. But it was, Raina's was just so intense. I mean, she's got a stellium in Sagittarius and rising, you know. Like, she was coming in when I wasn't even, like, fully dilated. Like, hello, she was doing what she wanted to do. Swords out, darlings, fire out. And there was no way. Joel's like, Joel was at one point, he's like, I looked at, like, the list of songs and there was no way I was putting on that shit. And I'm like, I know, because that's just not Raina's personality. So if you're trying to curate these perfect births, I mean, I can probably just say with, you know, 90% accuracy, most people who are trying to curate those, it doesn't go to plan like that, right? Sometimes it does, most of the time it doesn't. Um, I've been a mum for 25 years and I've heard a lot of birth stories and I've watched a lot of very disappointed women and it's sad, you know, like we could do a whole story on birth stuff and maybe I will if it's called for but because it is it is sad because there's so much control that the woman wants and she wants it to be her birth and her story but it's actually not. It's the child's. It's actually really got nothing to do with us. I mean, you look at the chart and you can see the birth. You know, I see this Neptune in my daughter's first house. It's this fluid, spiritual child charting you know diva and mitten cranked laboya birth which was just magical and you know we see my youngest daughter's chart and it's just like here's fire and here's everything you know up in this in this corner and you know the moon's down here and it's doing this and you know it's just it's fascinating it's fascinating and especially seeing indy's sun and moon at this exact trine um And then Jupiter was actually right there next to her moon as well, not at the exact degree, but like two degrees away. So it's quite remarkable. All birth charts are remarkable, of course, but we see the birth, you know, we see what they wanted and how they came through. Um, So I just wanted to, of course, pay homage to um, my beautiful daughter who turns 17 tomorrow um, on the Sirius activation and, you know, invite you to have a look at where 14 degrees of Cancer is in your own chart. And that can be where these strong, influential, magical, galactic energies of the spiritual sun are activated for you. Fame, wealth, power, influence. Yeah. Like it's strength, it's spiritual strength, embodiment. Um, And, you know, over this over this next couple of days to really tune into that, to like plug into that. Yeah. Um, Open into any spiritual insight that comes down. You know, for me, it sort of feels like July for me is just fucking full of light codes, especially, you know, we go into the 8-8 gateway that's, again, I'm not going to go down the, you know, the real dodgy social media shit that people just clickbait for um, because that's actually not what it is about and that's not what it actually is. Um, Sirius is actually rising with the sun on the 7th of the 7th this year. That's when Sirius and the Sun meet. Um, not in August. So how that is possible is, yeah, how that is where this is. It's I find it's a very again, it's clickbait. Um, every day is a day of power at the end of the day. <laughs> you know, we don't have to hang our hats up on one day a year, eight, eight gateway. I mean, this seven seven seven, again, because I'm a numerology nerd, I've always been into 11, 11 77, 66, 55. 5, I mean, it's no different for me. Numbers have energy, they have power, they have messages. So strip it right back to the numerology. And again, you've got something pretty bloody magical, right? Like you've got a magical day. But again, doesn't matter if on that magical day you're fucking doing the groceries and you had an argument with your partner. It's all good. Like, you haven't missed an opportunity. Everything is exactly as it's meant to be. And when you can surrender to that, then you get the most out of whatever potential days there are. And I was saying this in my Lilith container. So... I, so my very first call of my Lilith container on June the 1st, you know, I was pumped up. I was so like, I mean, this Lilith container has changed my life, the way I live my life. Um, and I've always been very connected to Lilith and Medusa. And now I'm working with them and, you know, I'm going to be putting together more classes and more bespoke things like this because it's literally been life-changing. Anyway, so I'd planned on coming home and sitting out the back with my Obsidian and sort of really tuning into doing what I wanted to do before I got on just grounding myself and, you know, doing my own ritual. And it was actually, it all came through and landed after I dropped my daughter off to work. So here I am listening to my Lilith Spotify list that I've made for um, my ladies and this incredible song came on and I just cried the entire way home in the car. And that was the activation. And of course, it is everyday enlightenment. Of course, it's magic in the mundane. I wrote the book. I've, you know, I live it. But at the same time, sometimes even I am going, I'm going to do this. You know, I'm going to do this. But the universe has something greater for me. And in that moment, I surrendered. I was like, this is the moment. So I grounded myself with my feet on the earth and did that, but it wasn't this big thing. I was just like, yep, cool, breathe in, I'm done. It was tuning into the women and the power that we were going to weave for the month of June, which was just, you know, next level. So again, if nothing grandiose happens over the next couple of days, that's okay, but know that you can actively participate in this energy if you choose to. Because you know, maybe this portal for you is really special, and you're feeling it too. I feel like July, like I said, we're moving into the Mayan day out of time, the Mayan and Egyptian New Year. We've got Isis and Osiris's birthday. Like I said, it's very priestessy Egyptian. Of course, the Sirius spiritual sun has a connection to Egypt and Isis. I mean, it's all just really there. And I don't know about you, but I'm really, really in it and feeling it. Um. It just, it, it is, it's, it's palpable magic. It's just like I can see little like shiny fucking spark things like just like literally even right now, like just going off around me. It's, it's very divine. So the 7th of the 7th, day of Venus, 7am, you know, just get some sun. Just that's all that's all it has to be. It doesn't have to be the light the candles, spin around six times, you know, chant a prayer, all the thing I mean yeah, pray if you want, but the thing is is that just the sun for me, the sun and her and and his codes at the moment and embody and the and the feminine embodiment, um especially on Venus day, like breathe that in, you know heart chakra open her, allow the light codes to just wash through your entire body crown chakra third eye throat you know lay on the earth if you want to sun gaze if you know how to um it's you know let the sun enter your cells and your soul because that to me is the magic of the Sirius gateway yes it's a powerful fixed star and when the sun and Sirius meet like that is quite exuberant and Again, you know, what I really am so, again, just constantly blown away at is these synchronicities. Like, of course, you know, uh, cancer, for, cancer, 14 degrees of cancer falls in the Deacon too. And that is the card of the magician, which is as above, so below, which is power. I mean, you just look at the card. He's got the infinity sign over the top of his head. You know, he is the magician. He is the number one card. You know, what a beautiful, beautiful deacon that we get to to be in. It's just it it does, it feels like magic. I need to stop saying it It feels like magic, it feels like magic, but it bloody does. So the connection between the magician with Sirius, July, I mean, come on, it's friggin' awesome. So I'll stop banging on about that, but that's coming up for us over the next couple of days. So enjoy that, darlings. Then on the 10th, we have Mars moving into Virgo for the first time in two years. And, you know, I just want you to pay attention on the 9th and the 10th because ultimately Mars will be at 29 degrees, the karmic, anoretic end of his journey in Leo um, on the 9th and 10th. And that 29 degrees can, especially in a fiery Mars, <laughs> you know, can be edgy and He's actually making a very uncomfortable quincunx to Pluto, who is also at the 29 anoretic degree of Capricorn retrograde. So this is a very uncomfortable little conversation that they're having on the ninth and 10th. I mean, even, you know, the eighth, ninth and 10th, I mean, Mars is getting closer and closer to that 29th degree. So it's building. So some people have been, you know, just in it, you know, maybe you feel angry or frustrated or, you know, maybe you've got excess energy that you need to get out. You need to go for a walk or a run or boxing or running or skipping or jumping or whatever that needs to be some Really strong, powerful movements. This can be like a very highly creative, powerful energy as well. So yeah, I mean, the week of the the word of the week is very much around power, isn't it? Um, power magic, you know. It's sort of I feel like I just want to like hold my shield up like Wonder Woman, you know, like that's how I'm really feeling. It's like the Wonder Woman energy and realistically, very fascinatingly, too, Pallas Athene, who has the shield as her symbol, she is there moving with Mars at 29 degrees, 27 degrees, 28 degrees, 29 degrees of Leo. So if you are feeling that really warrior energy, I mean, and we're calling it in, darlings, the North Node is just about to move into fucking Aries. Like we are moving into the next 18 months of eclipses around Mars, the warrior, Aries, A-R-E-S, the warrior god. Yeah. So really fascinating this sort of like I feel like I'm wearing palace at the moment like she's on me. You know, she is going to be hitting fixed star Regulus, um as is Mars hitting fixed star Regulus, Venus is edging towards, you know, her retrograde. Like it is such a potently powerful month that I just uh, you know, I don't have enough time in the day to share everything with you all. Um I mean, I've got to keep, you know, going. I can share that next week, but I'm like, but I want to prep before then. I mean, look, next week on the 13th, the nodes shift signs, my friends, the nodes shift signs. And I mean, I'm going to be back here on the 12th so I can really prep you for it, but I am going to, I am going to run a masterclass. So keep an eye out for that on my website where you can come in and you can find out where this Aries-Libra axis is going to be for you. Maybe you're going to be having your node or return. Maybe you've got your north node in Aries, so we can chat about that. Maybe you've got your south node in Aries, so you'll be having your half node or return. We can chat about that. I just really want to call in this energy really powerfully. Um, so I'm going to do a live online masterclass. So I hope that you can make it. It will be cheap as chips and it will be Two hours packed full of juice that you can re-watch for the next year and a half so that you can keep plugging back into this glorious energy. I'll go through what each of the houses represents that you know, even if you don't have anything in Aries and Libra, you, what these nodes will be activating. You know, nodes are karma. The nodes have not been in Aries and Libra for eight, nearly 19 years. So this is a big deal. Like this is a big shift. And I work with the mean nodes just as we work with mean Lilith. So mean Lilith spends nine months in one sign, the same time as a gestational period. Venus in her evening star journey spends nine months. In her um, morning star journey spends nine months. The nodes are 18 months to nine months paths you know like it's it's really quite we're talking about gestation here we're talking about fertile energy And what happens in the nine months of Lilith. Now, we work with mean Lilith because she does spend that full nine months in Lilith um, in in a sign. So like we have her in Leo at the moment, you know, she hasn't been in Leo for for nine years. And so she spends this nine months. And this is why we work with the mean nodes, especially when they're shifting signs. And I've actually trialed this out because I always worked with the true nodes. And I have trialed this and the mean nodes. um, Okay. The thing was, is when the main node conjunct Uranus and Mars last year, the power grid just for my little section of my house went out just as I was about to hold a masterclass. Now, when the true nodes shifted, when the true node made that connection, um, that conjunction, nothing happened. So that was my proof in my pudding because I'd always worked with true nodes, which I'm like, yeah, what am I doing? We work with mean Lilith. And that's what sort of like a kerfuffle for me. It's like everyone's talking about the nodes shifting on the 18th, which look, the, the, the true nodes are shifting on the 18th. I'm not denying that. And look, right up until I tested this out last year, I was all about the true nodes. And, yeah, and then interestingly, I had another astrologer just peek the question, go, hey, work with the true nodes. I mean, the mean nodes, sorry, that was me then. The mean nodes. Work with the mean nodes and see the difference. And I was like, okay, this will be interesting. And exactly. It was like literally everywhere else all of the power was on, it was literally just our grid. Uh, Uranus, Uranus is electricity. It was the Uranus-Mars and North Node conjunction at 18 degrees of Taurus, which also happened to hit exactly my sun and Chiron at 18 degrees Taurus. And here I am with all these people, you know, 80 people ready to do this masterclass. No internet, no service, absolutely nothing. Phone's about to go dead. All the things right at the time I was supposed to do it. When it was supposed to finish, the lights came on again. It was hilarious. Now, that is a mean node story. So the mean node, so you pay attention on the 13th. And look, I'll come back maybe next week and sort of chat a little bit about it too, but... And chat maybe a little bit more about sort of the energy of Aries and Libra and North Node and South Node and stuff. But, I mean, that's next Friday. I mean, I am fucking pumped for this. Oh, is it next Friday? Whenever the 13th is. Next Thursday, maybe, I think. I I'm not very good with dates and days. Um, but it's the 13th. So 13th of July, node shift. We've got this. We've got Mars shifting. We've got this beautiful, powerful energy of Pallas and Mars. I mean, they nearly are simil- similar to each other. And Palace is this very wise, wise Woman, you know, she's what she uses her words as weapons, she's highly intelligent. Um, you know, she she she's all about the war, but she does it in a feminine way. She does it, she uses her mind, she uses her intelligence, she uses her creative wisdom, her creative intelligence. And for me, too, there's you know, there's that energy around the symbols. Um, And this is how I work with Palace uh, for me personally in my ninth house in Gemini is that I'm able to symbolically weave stories together and use my intelligence to, again, be a mentalist. You know, that's just how I see this. Like, literally, I've just rewatched The Mentalist from season one to the end season. Bit, Bit unhappy that Patrick Jane's not on my fucking TV anymore. Let's give you the hot tip. But... Fuck, that's great because I relate to that. It's just like we are all mentalists. I mean, God, that's a great series, I must just say. I really liked it anyway, but I like those sort of murder mystery sort of criminal minds and all that sort of stuff. Um, but it's being a mentalist and that's how I see Palace. She's a mentalist. It's all about that intelligence and, you know, a healthy Palace isn't in competition. You know, she's very wise. She sees beyond all of that and for me, I suppose it's just because she's in my ninth house, but it's the weaving of the universal synchronicities where I'm able to match things up like a puzzle. And I just see it. It just all works for me. It's like, sort of like, you know, how I've always said, I'm like Lucy from the movie Lucy. Um, You know, I can just like, I move things energetically. It's like, there it is. And I can just see it, you know, weaving the magic around me, Um, especially because my palace is in Gemini. So it is that, again, that mercurial um, energy, but she's in Leo at the moment. And she's, she's she's holding hands and and journeying with mars you know in a in a weird way her her masculine counterpart you know but he's more antagonistic and he is because he's the god of war but she's you know she's the wisdom of war in a way you know like she knows how to use that better um so, you know, with both of them at this 29 degrees, anoretic degree, finishing off their journey in Leo on the 9th and the 10th, making this really uncomfortable quincunx to Pluto who is, you know, all around in Capricorn. We're still looking at like this, all this foundational stuff. With we're, we're still, I mean, I think I talked the last couple of weeks a lot about Pluto in um, Capricorn and learning the lessons and the work that you've done and, you know, I'm watching people sort of struggle or drown in the concrete that they're pouring on themselves because they have sort of done the work you know and so I think that when Pluto continues to revisit this but this is like a little bit of an edge you know we're going to get on the ninth and the tenth with these guys especially Mars you know Mars and Pluto together are can be quite volatile like they can be quite dangerous but you know for me it's just the invitation to make the adjustment to okay what are your intentions desires about moving forward and where are you holding your power you know, and, and you know, the word sustainable is coming up here. It's like what sustains you? I mean, Pluto and Capricorn is the great builder. You know, it's all around like we're building a whole new, brand new building, brand new life, but what on? And Mars is around that action and that movement, that movement forward. So he's sort of sparking. It's sort of like he's sort of going to flick a bit of a match. You know, just think of like him just getting a little match and flicking that onto Pluto. Over the next couple of days, you know, like he's going to flick that match and fire him up a little bit, but he might destabilize him. And you want to watch your own anger. You want to watch your own edge and your own projections and your own rage. You know, this is around counting to 10 if you need to or doing some of your own gentle, sacred rage work. I mean, there's so much sort of potent energy being activated as well at the moment. So it depends. You know, you might just really breeze through those couple of days. Mars is, I mean, Mars is still hitting Regulus at that time too. So it could be a very powerfully initiative time for you that you're sort of, you you know, something comes to fruition for you and it's that quincunx to Pluto that solidifies it. You make this little adjustment, sort of like, you know, if the earth made a tiny micro movement, we're flung out of the fucking field, aren't we? Like we're not even, we'll go straight into the sun or something. And it's like, well, what micro movement can you do that can change your entire trajectory? That is important and that is where it's at. So I'm really feeling this very fertile, you know, it just feels really, really, really good. I hope you're feeling it with me. I hope you're friggin' feeling it with me. So that's sort of happening as well. So pay attention to that. Um, And then on the 10th, like I said, Mars will actually then shift. So Pallas will move into Virgo at around 450 on the 10th and Mars moves in at around 940. So they're a few hours apart, but they're still journeying together. And now Mars moves into um Virgo which I actually really love Mars in Virgo this is a really really great placement and you want to really make use of this because Mars will move into Libra where he is debilitated where he is exiled um come the end of August so we've got around 6 weeks of Mars in in Virgo which is around what do you want to heal what do you want to fix what do you want to reform what do you you know what needs mending Virgo is very good at reforming mending healing weaving magic again the craft and Virgo the archetype is you know is also you know she's also a, a healer a, a green goddess healer but also around what you're doing every day because Virgo also rules health um, health in general and so we can you know Mars is action so this is a great time to be making new health steps, you know, getting into some really good daily routines, um, getting into some good rituals, perhaps, wherever, wherever your Virgo house is, Mars hasn't been there for two years. Now, if you're like me and you've got a Libra rising, I mean, Mars in the 12th can be a little bit of an agitating little fuckwit. Let's just, I mean, you know, he always is anyway, but you know the thing is is that in the 12th it's very subconscious and hidden and you must face those edges within yourself where you're repressing anger and rage or frustrations and you must move through them um, you know there's something beautiful around Mars in the 12th around that spiritual devotion and service too don't get me wrong and really you know putting you know really putting things into play and practice which can be great as well but at the same time Mars is still the planet of anger so we've you know we all are going to be triggered in that and in, in that house and in that zone of Mars, uh, you know, of that little push. I mean, just look at him, he's phallic, he's pushing, he's, he's, you know, he's somewhat like just giving you that little edge, like, eh, you know, with his little arrow, right? So, but it's also, you know, where are you moving forward? He's also a lot of energy. He also activates. Mars is activating something. It's very much like the sun. When the sun moves through one of our houses, he is illuminating that house. He is bringing those house themes to life. So Mars is doing the same again in a very energetic, activating way. So, and I love, like I said, I love him in Virgo. This is like, get shit done, write lists, tick shit off your lists, fucking, you know, like this is, this is good. Because like I said, then he's in Libra. And then he's he's much more repressed in Libra. Like he does not want to be in Libra. I mean, he's very diplomatic in Libra, yes. He's very graceful in Libra. Um, he's a great mediator in Libra. But at the same time, he is also wanting to keep the peace too much that he gets riled up. Because where is he at home? He's in home in Aries when he's just going, me, I'm taking this move. I'm moving up here. I'm going to initiate this. I'm thinking about myself. Whereas in Libra, he's like, I'm thinking about other people, but I don't want that. But I'm saying yes, but I mean no, fuck. You know, like that is Mars in Libra. Mars in Libra is the great diplomat. He can see both sides, but then he also has to remember to not, you know, Keep the peace, like not keep the peace at the sake of his own inner peace. So, whilst Mars is in Virgo, this is a great time to really be ticking things off. It's like that sort of gives me that, like when you're in a personal four year. When you're in a personal four year, I always say to people consolidate, get all your ducks in a row, clear out your desk, clear out your office, do some cleaning. I mean, hello, Virgo. This is about being organized, right? Again, what needs reforming, mending, fixing, healing, you know? That that's what you want to do. When Mars is there, he's going to give you the energy to do that. So if you do need to do a big clear out, do it with Mars in, in Virgo. You know, do it before Mars gets into Libra, yeah, where he gets that little bit more frustrated. So this is a really great transit. Like I said, he hasn't been there for two years, so make headway with this, my friends. Make headway with this. This is a really great energy for the next six weeks Um, and then on the 11th uh, the last little transit that's sort of happening that I'll talk about is that uh, Mercury joins the Leo party so you know not much to say there we know all of this Leo energy it's very confident but this is where our mind goes now so we're just moving out of Mercury in Cancer, which, you know, may have had you sort of dreamy or thinking about the past or thinking about memories, talking about the past, talking about old stuff. Maybe you've been looking through photo albums. Maybe people from your past have come back eh? and they've been, you know, reinvigorating your memories from, you know, long lost times. Um, I love Mercury in, in um cancer it is really fluid and intuitive and you know we're around again it's watery we're trusting what we're saying We're you know we're moving our words become like silk you know our words become like honey dripping off our tongues you know whereas in 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 leo it's like now we're spitting fire you know we're spitting very fixed opinionated motherfucking fire so you know that is mercury and leo um just ask my two of my daughters, two of my daughters have Mercury in Leo and my other daughter has Mercury in motherfucking Sagittarius. So yes, all three of my daughters are full of fire. Um, but in fixed fire it can be, yes, very single-minded, very, this is my opinion it's black and white, there is no mo- mo- no room for movement, just like, you know, Mercury in Aquarius, Mercury in Taurus and Mercury in Scorpio. Um, all of them, of course, different in their own elements, but still fixed, which means fixed in ideas, right? Fixed in communication, fixed in those ways. So Mercury moving into Mercury joining, you know, he's not just moving into, um, Leo he's joining the Leo party because of course Venus is still there the sun's going to eventually move into there at the end of this month but he will be you know he will be edging onto he's speeding at the moment he's going very fast. so he will actually be moving into Virgo at the end of this month quite quickly um uh, but Lilith is also there uh, Mars will have just shifted out so but it just you know it just gives us everything that we've been sort of working on with Lilith with Venus and with Mars and Leo, we've now got words to it. It's sort of like our mental capacity is gonna catch up. It's like, okay, cool. Okay, so I sort of was doing all of these things, but not really putting the pieces of the puzzle together. You know, Mercury in in Leo is gonna give us the confidence and give us sort of this more, you know, this is the motivator. We love Mercury and Leo for motivation and encouraging. You know, it's the it's that, you know, that pimp you know not the pimp but you know like you know egging us on like yeah like this is all the inc- it's, it really is the cheerleader right so all of a sudden you know yes we become fixed but we've moved from fluid to fixed, and it's like yeah so what were you sort of dreaming of as well with mercury and cancer now you're going to start to you know make some solid moves with that like you know put into uh you know you're just going to become more solid in those may be opinions or maybe you're studying or, you know, it can be a million different things. But ultimately Mercury shifting signs, Mars shifting signs uh, within t- within a day of each other, that changes our climate because Mars is our action, our drive, our energy, and Mercury is the way we talk, our communications, um, the way we're thinking, what we're thinking about and the-, and the way that those those two will play out will now change from the 10th, 11th of July. So it's a pretty sort of delicious time. As I've said, eight gazillion times, I'm going to actually jump off now because I've said how magical it is. And I really, really hope that you have an incredibly delicious week, uh, plugging into all of this energy. And I can't wait to be back next week. I'll talk more about the nodes. I'll get this masterclass out and I hope that you can join me. I'm just so bloody excited. Okay. (laughs) Bye-bye.